Hello, my friends. My name is Joe. Welcome to the Joe Martino Show. Have you ever watched your children and thought, where are these aliens from? If so, today's episode is for you. I want to talk to you about what working in a mental hospital taught me about parenting and share with you some of the best parenting advice I've ever been given and ever had the privilege of sharing with anyone else. If you've ever sat and thought, man, what I am doing is not working, listen on because this day is for you. Let's kick it off. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. All right, so I want to set the stage for you for a story that happened in my life a number of years ago. I mean, we're probably talking 10 or 11 years ago. I'm working at a local mental health institution uh, with long-term residential adolescents. So kids who uh, were either teenagers or just about to be teenagers. I do think we had a few 11-year-olds and some would stay just a little bit past their teenage years. Uh, not very far, but a little bit past. We had one young man, I think, stayed for a little while. But we, we would uh, we would take care of them. They, they came, they lived in pods of 10. Uh, we had staff. There's legal rules to how many staff you had to have per kids, etc. And one of the things that would happen is that the kids would get to go on outings where they would leave the facility and go to different places. Sometimes we'd go to like... Uh, If you're local, we'd go to Craig's Cruisers, or we'd go to a county fair, or we would go lots of places except the mall. You're never allowed to go to the mall. And on the weekends, the kids could elect to go to church if they wanted to. This is a locked facility, and so bringing church to them, I I don't think, was, was viable. And, you know, obviously getting people out that you're trying to help work through different issues so that they can re engage society in a helpful and fruitful and beneficial way to both them and society, one of the things that you, you know, you'd want to do is you want them to interact with society because inside those locked doors, it's a very different environment. Everyone wore blue t-shirts and orange mesh shorts. Uh, People couldn't wear sneakers. Uh, They had to wear specific uh, institution uh, issued shoes there's locked doors everywhere, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of the kids had impulse control that they were working through and, and different problems. And so we're, we're, we would take them to church on the weekends. And as staff, you would rotate through that. You would typically work with the same two people every other weekend. And, you know, as you picked up more hours, you'd work various, you know, various with various people for various shifts. So one weekend, we're going to church. There's a newish kid. He's new to outings. And he, I'm the lead staff, so I'm going to this church, uh, which I won't tell you which one it is because I didn't like it. Uh, But we're going to this church, and he is just riding me. Not in any way inappropriate, but he's just like, Joe, man, come on. Take, Take us to McDonald's. Take us to McDonald's. Joe, take us to McDonald's. Joe, man, we love McDonald's. Joe, let's go to McDonald's. Joe, I want to go to McDonald's. Come on, Joe. I'll get you a cheeseburger. You're fat. You obviously like cheeseburgers. That's literally what he said to me. I was much heavier at the time than I am now. Uh, 
And I'm kind of laughing in my head, but I'm like, no, dude, the rules clearly say when we go on a church outing, we leave the building, we go to church, we, we attend the church service, and we go home. If you don't want to go to church, that's fine, uh, you, but you should have stayed back at the pod, which is what we called their living quarters. And he's going on and on. I mean, literally, we pull into the parking lot, we park, and we're going to, to a youth event, and so it's in the evening. We park, we get out of the van, there's like eight kids, uh, I think there's three staff members, and as we're walking in, a resident, or a kid who had lived there for a longer time, he, his time preceded me, and at this time I had probably been there two years, he said, forget it dude, he's just boringly consistent and follows the rules. And I looked at him and I said, Jerry, not his real name, I'm making it up. Jerry was actually another staff member, but I'll use his name. I said, Jerry, thank you very much. I appreciate that. That's, that's a high compliment. And over the course of my time there, I noticed something. The people, the staff, whose modus operandi, their, their method of operation, their daily routine was to just be boringly consistent they had the least physical managements with the residents. They had the least amount of problems. They didn't all go away. In other words, there was still what we call physical managements, you know, restraints and those types of things. Those would still happen, but they would happen at less of a level. Staff that was not boringly consistent with the rules, they would tend to have more issues. And two things would develop over time. First, uh, the residents would... They would try to figure out which staff they could just straight up scare. They would just try to bully them, either verbally or physically. They would just try to find out what staff can I scare into getting what I want. And so, you know, one of the things the kids would say is I'm going to go off. And one of the things that they would do is like, I want a radio in my room, which they couldn't have because you have to remember, I know like if you don't work inside a facility like this, or if you never have, you don't understand it sounds so mean to say, wait, they can't have a radio, but they would, the radio would pose a danger to them because the wires and whatnot, they would self-harm with them. And so, you know, we're there to protect the kids. And so, no, you can't have a radio. Well, if you don't give me a radio, I'm going to go off. And then he'd start punching or slapping or smacking staff or pulling hair. And as he did this, the staff would give in. They'd be like, okay, well, if you, if you sit here and do this... Well, then when another staff would come on and say no, even when you threatened to, you know, slap me or pull my hair, he would just escalate and he would go more, right? And he would try to bully the staff into doing what he wanted to do, into getting his own way, into probably taking them to McDonald's. In fact, one of the things that the young man told me when he was kind of trying to talk me into going to McDonald's was... This staff takes me to McDonald's. That staff took us to McDonald's. This staff over here took us to McDonald's. And, and he's listing off, you know, four or five staff members that were truly all my friends, but I'm not responsible for them. In fact, that's what I told him. I said, look, dude, I'm not responsible for them. Uh, they answer for themselves. I answer for me. I'm not doing it. And as we move through that, he, he did not try to bully me, but he did try the other tactic, which is manipulation through friendship. Like, oh, come on, man. Like, you know, and, and we've all seen this in kids. We see this in adults. They want something, so they act like they're friendlier with you than they really are. And it was usually one of those two tactics 
that would elicit their, they would use to elicit the behavior and the things that they wanted from staff. And so I would tell staff when I would get new staff and I would train them, I would say, look, your ticket to success here is to be boringly consistent. Your ticket to success is to not be able to be moved. These kids all have stories. Every kid that was there had a story that would break your heart. Every kid there was also, well, not every kid, most of the kids there also engaged in activities that would break your heart for someone else. And you have to be boringly consistent. You have to follow the protocols, follow the rules, because kids crave consistency because it helps them feel that they're safe. And and that nugget of wisdom, that nugget of truth, is one of the things that I have tried to implement as a parent. And I believe if you implement it, you will find greater success than how I see most people implementing parenting. One of the things that I had had a mentor once say to me that I believe is 100% true is he said most people parent passive-aggressively and then they try to make up with it in intensity. Just the other day, I was sitting in a waiting room. There was a family there. Uh, the the little, they had a, not a little boy, he was 11, 10, somewhere around there. They had a young young boy, preteen, and then they had one younger than him, I'm going to guess probably nine or eight, somewhere around there. And, and they have what looked like mini iPads or Kindle readers or something like that, that they're watching some sort of, of screen that they're watching TV on. And they were talking to someone else in the waiting room that they obviously knew. I didn't know any of them. They stop talking. The kid walks up. He's like, hey, dad, this isn't working. Um, dad tries to fix it. It's not fixing. The kid starts to pout. The kid's like, stop pouting. Kid's still pouting. Immediately raises his voice. Stop pouting, which is kind of what tuned me into the event. And he went right from, hey, do this to intensity. And it didn't work. All he did was draw attention from everyone else to him. And then he's like, well, then fine, you don't need the iPad, or I don't, I don't want, you don't need this, I, I don't remember what he called it, it wasn't an iPad, it doesn't matter, you don't need it, and he grabs it, and he goes to move it away, and it's not working, and so I'm like, okay, I didn't say anything to him, but that's how a lot of people parent, they go to intensity, I've had opportunities to do that with my own children, I hear questions about this in therapy all the time, all the time. What do I do when my kids, because what I'm doing isn't working. And I'll say that to them, well, what are you doing? And one of the things that I often hear is stories of inconsistency and intensity. I hear stories of parents who are engaging their children inconsistently. So so their kid can sometimes do this and sometimes can't. And there's not really an explanation of why. And when things don't go the way the parent wants them to, they go to intensity in a way that A, isn't sustainable, and B, doesn't actually teach. And I believe if you want to move your children in a way that is positive, you need to make sure that all of your interactions are about teaching. Now look, when I say that, I know I just used the universal, all of your teachings, and I realize that we're all going to make mistakes. I'm going to make mistakes. My wife's going to make mistakes. Well, maybe she isn't. I'm kidding. Uh, All of us are going to make mistakes. People that I think are fantastic parents are going to make mistakes. People that I think aren't very good parents are going to make mistakes. 
But the point is the effort. It truly is about the effort here and being better this month than last month. That's the goal. As I said a few weeks ago, there is such a thing as bad parenting. But if there's such a thing as bad parenting, that means there's such a thing as good parenting. And good care, good parenting, excuse me, starts, is engaged with, and ends with consistency and teaching. If you want to be, uh, if you want to raise kids who can think for themselves, you have to teach them that ability. You have to literally teach them how to think through things. You have to teach them how to ponder consequences. One of the things that my wife and I talk about a lot is little kids often get punished for doing things that little kids do. When my son was little, he would say, you're mean if he didn't like what you were doing. He has delayed speech. It wasn't because he was trying to be uh, talk back or be rebellious. He didn't have other language to say. He was learning to speak and he had delayed speech. Now, when he did that, he didn't get disciplined. In fact, often we would employ good methods of communication with him and be like, so you feel like daddy's being mean because he's da-da-da-da, whatever it is. Now, I won't say which one, but this past weekend, one of my daughters called me a brat and she got in trouble because she called me a brat, not in a joking way, but she called me a brat in the context of her being redirected. And guess what? She didn't magically be like, oh, okay. So we sat in the parking lot at a local store because we were out doing summer clothes shopping while the rest of the family went in the store and she got to tell me how she was feeling. She got to tell me what she felt I did wrong. I didn't agree with her on any of it. The night before, we had a similar conversation and she told me what I did wrong and I was like, I agree. I did that wrong. I shouldn't have. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? but it doesn't change the fact of what you did. The boringly consistent and teaching. Here's why this matters. Now, she's older, but even with my young kids when they were younger, I would tell them, here's why this matters. It doesn't always have to make sense to your seven-year-old why it matters, but you're planting seeds that will grow. And as they grow, the child develops. As the child develops, the seeds grow. So as we engage this process, and, and I, am, I would love to see more parents do this, just be consistent. Just be boringly consistent. One of the things that happens, I, I put this on our, on our company Facebook page yesterday. I'm going to read it. Sometimes in the chaos of a temper tantrum or in the haze of blatant rebellion, parents have their own pain stirred up in them and their discipline becomes about power and control, stopping the activity without teaching. We lose a teachable moment aspect. One of the things that I see regularly is parents don't match the severity of their consequence with the severity of the problem. They try to go nuclear because they're upset, because they're in pain, because their child being rebellious causes them to think, oh my God, my mom's going to judge me and think I'm a terrible parent, or she's going to have something sarcastic to say, or those people sitting in the in the waiting room are going to think that I'm a terrible parent because I'm letting my kids on devices. We, we are in, it's so funny because we have more time and energy spent to being non-judgmental ever and, and everybody's worried about it, like terrified that somebody else is going to judge their parenting. Well, Joe, aren't you judging our parenting right now? No, I'm not. I'm saying I think there's a really good way to do it. If you have another way that you think is really good, go ahead and do it. The vast majority of people want what's best for their kids. Even like 
people who are criminals want what's best for their kids. And if you believe what you're doing is the right thing, do it. If you think it's better than what I'm offering you, do it. I would like it to be a little bit more informed than just your opinion, though. But if you're sitting here listening to this, or you're cleaning your house listening to this, or you're driving your car listening to this, or you're at work listening to this, or you're at the gym listening to this, wherever you listen to this, and you're like, man, what I'm doing isn't working, I want to offer you something else to try. And I want to warn you, it's going to take time to work. It's going to cause you to have to learn to live in the tension. You'll remember in a previous episode, I talked about healthy couples. They can de-escalate themselves and tolerate the stress of the situation before they problem solve. Those three steps are also true for parenting. Those three steps are also true for parenting. You have to be able to de-escalate yourself in the middle of your kid's chaos. Whether it's a little, you know, a toddler's chaos, a teenager's chaos, whatever it is, you have to be able to control your own motor responses. You have to be able to de-escalate yourself in order to tolerate and intolerate the distress in order to problem solve. And part of problem solving is not just coming out with the nuclear option. It's coming out with with consequences that match the inter, the interaction. In fact, one of our mantras is less severe, more repeatable. 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 Most of the time with my teenage daughters, the discipline doesn't even last the day. The first time. Because it's about doing something that's more less severe, more repeatable, so that it's teachable. One of my mentors used to say that, less severe, more repeatable, and it has become a mantra around our house. My daughter, who we were sitting in, in, the, in the parking lot of the store this weekend, what I did was I took her phone. All my teenagers have phones. People were like, oh, my teenager doesn't have a phone. You're missing out on a great opportunity to be able to say, okay, I want it back. She got her phone back before we went in the store. Because she calmed herself down, she explained to me what was going on in her head, and even though I disagreed with it, and we were able to talk about better ways to express that in the future. There's the teachable moment. And I told her, because this would have been the second time in three days that I, or second time in two days that I had taken her phone, if I get your phone again, it will be for over 24 hours. Again, a teachable moment. If you do this, here, this will happen. If you do that, this will happen. And so we start out with consistently. You, consistency. You have to be boringly consistent. Just do what you say you're going to do. This does two things. One, it causes you to really think about what's coming out of your mouth. Because if you make a threat that you don't follow through on... A, you just told the kid, mom and dad don't really mean what they say. And B, I think you ought to go apologize. Or you ought to have a really good logical reason for why you're not following through. And so sometimes I've done that. Sometimes I've said to my kids, okay, look, I told you if this would happen, but I'm going to show you grace. I'm going to show, oh, it wouldn't be grace, it'd be mercy. I'm going to show you mercy. Mercy is not getting something that you deserve. And so I'll have that conversation. 
One of the things that I find is most parents go to intensity because they find it causes them to not have to have the conversation. And I get it. My family and I, we went out for ice cream here at our local town last night after work. And my kids were kind of hyper. My son doesn't see me much on on those days because I'm at one office. He's at another. And he's all up. He's running into me, bouncing on me. And I just want peace. I just want quiet. I just want just chill. But man, the days can be long and the years are oh so short. I try to remember that for boring consistency and teaching. Engage the child with teaching. Be boringly consistent and consistently teach. Teach, teach, teach. Joe, I don't feel like it. It's okay. It doesn't have to be a three-point lesson plan with, you know, graphics and, and illustrations. It just, just, here's what I want you to do and here's why. Just be boringly consistent and consistently teach. And then utilize consequences that are less severe, more repeatable. Ideally, we'd never make mistakes, but I just don't live in that world. I once had somebody tell me that, well, I'd, I'd rather not err at all. Well, I, yeah, me too, but I don't know how that happens. So I'm going to choose to err on the side of mercy, of less less severe. Let the child ramp up the consequences. So like start out with, okay, you have to go to bed, if, you know, a younger kid maybe, you got to go to bed 10 minutes earlier. And they keep going, okay, now it's 20. But then have a, have a ceiling. One of the things that parents do is they engage the children when they don't have to. Can I do this? No. Well, why not? Well, here's why. Well, can I do that? No. Well, why not? Well, here's why. You don't need to answer it again. I would, I'm not sure you need to answer it the second time, but if you choose to, that's fine. But the problem is one of the things that parents tend to do, all of us, we tend to act like children with our children. And so we meet them where they're at in their intensity and their chaos. We meet them where they're at instead of refusing to join it. So one of the things when I'm working with parents, I'll say, just stop engaging your child. They can be mad. It's okay if your kid's mad. They probably shouldn't be disrespectful, but they can be mad. There's nothing wrong with being mad. That's just two chemicals in your body meeting. A chemical from your brain meets chemical from your adrenal glands and goes boom. And that's true for your kids too. Instead of making it like being mad is the problem, Talk to your kids about their behavior when they're mad because you're never going to raise a child. Very few people are going to raise a child that doesn't get mad as an adult. But the adults that can handle their anger are the adults that get things done in the world. And that's the type of kid I want to raise. So let them be mad, but they have to be respectful. Boringly consistent. Consistently teach. Consequences that match the situation. Less severe, more repeatable. Less severe, more repeatable. I cannot say that enough. Like if you're, if your five-year-old's acting up five minutes, well, I'll have to do that 15 times. Maybe, but that's what it's like to learn to try your shoes. How many times did it take you to learn how to try your shoes? I read somewhere once that it takes the average person 37 attempts to try their shoe, to tie their shoes. Imagine if we stopped at 11 or 20 or 25. Now, some of you learned it twice and some of you it took a hundred times. I get that. That's what average means. But learning things takes time. Teaching our children takes time. Our children, it's going to take them time to learn what they need to learn, to do what they need to do. So we need to be boringly consistent. We need to consistently teach. We have to have consequences that match the situation. Less severe, more repeatable. In other words, it's okay if it, quote, doesn't work. I was working, talking to a, a couple one time, and, and they were just, they were out of control in how they were disciplining their children. The father went to intensity right away. 
Mom went to intensity right away. They did it differently. She was more sarcastic. And then she would coddle because she would feel bad. He would blow up and then pretend it didn't happen. I'm like, look, just ground them for five minutes. Their son was like nine, and I think one was eight or seven, probably nine and seven. Just ground them for 10 minutes. Take, take away everything for 10 minutes. Well, it won't work. Yep, I know. Four minutes later, you'll have to do it again. And then maybe eight minutes later or four minutes later again, because it's about teaching them. It's about shaping their brain. Every time you do something, your brain creates a little thing that causes it, your body, it's easier for your body to do that thing again. So if you get angry and you yell, the next time you get angry, it's easier to yell. That has a lot of benefits, especially as humankind has progressed throughout history. And even today, it still has a lot of pluses. And we can use it to our advantage or we can work it against us. It works against us when we allow ourselves to just react and engage our children in their own chaos because now next time it's going to be easier. But we can use it to our advantage if we consistently present our children the opportunity to make the right choice. Which brings me to my final point. Let your kids make the choice. Remember, your kids are not you. And, And this is something I had to learn to actually execute this principle. Because I would say to my kids... If you do this, this is the negative consequence. But if you do this, this is the positive consequence. You choose. And my oldest daughter, she would weigh it out. She'd be like, well, I don't know. Is that consequence worth what I want to do that is this behavior that my dad doesn't want me to do? And she wouldn't talk. And I'd be like, why aren't you talking? Because I talk. If I'm distressed, I talk. I want to go right now. My wife, when she's distressed, she needs time to calm down. My daughter got those genes. And so she would say, I'm thinking. And I learned to let her think it through. And there's been times, she's almost 17 now, there's been times where she's come to me and said, I don't know what I think about this. Okay, you get to choose. But in this house, if you go that way, there are these consequences. We've had people uh, ask us, do you let your kids do this? Yep. Well, why? Well, here's why. These are the consequences. Because one of the things I do, remember we talked about this before, you have to start with the end in mind. I want to raise children who become adults who know how to think who can problem solve, who can decide, okay, here's a consequence of an action and weigh it out. Because just doing the thing that you're told isn't always the right thing. And my children, God, I hope this isn't true, but my children may live in a society where doing the thing you're told is actually against the moral code that we choose to live by. And to be honest with you, I'm not too worried about that, but it's possible. It has certainly happened throughout history. Think of all the people in Germany during World War II, the things that they were told to do were not the right things to do. Think about all the people that have lived in the communist and socialist regimes throughout history. Often they were told to do things that were not the right thing to do. Now, I don't think that's going to happen to us, but I, I do believe that my children, because I live in it, they will live in a society where the things that are popular probably bring consequences that they don't want, that are not, the things that are popular are not right. There are things that I think should be legal uh, that, that actually I don't want my kids to engage in because they bring consequences that they don't want. And so I want to teach my kids from a young age, if I do this, these good things happen. If I do this, these bad things happen. Weigh out the consequences. If you're religious, that is how the entire Old Testament reads. If, if you, I live in West Michigan, a lot of Judeo-Christian believers uh, or, or adherents, I guess would be the word, here in this region. In the Old Testament, God literally says, if you do this, these things will happen. If you do these things, these things will happen. And if you're like, look, Joe, I'm not religious. That's fine too, because 
those principles still work. You can still say to your kid, hey, look, if you make your bed and clean your room, here's the positive consequences. If you don't, here's the negative consequences. And then walk away. You don't have to sit there and be like, well, are you going to go clean your room? Are you going to do this? Are you going to do that? No, no, just walk away. That comes back to that disengaging your kid when they're in the middle of it. You don't have to manipulate them. And a lot of parenting, unfortunately, is about manipulating. I even read a, a, a parenting article by some parenting guru a few weeks ago, and it was just straight up manipulation was the, what was the approach. Just manipulate your kids into doing what you want them to do. That's craziness. Give your kids the choice by being boringly consistent, consistently teaching. Boringly consistent, consistently teaching with consequences that match the crime. Now, one of the things you might have to learn to do is you might have to say to your kids, especially your older kids, you might have to say, okay, look, I know you're going to be grounded. I don't know exactly what the consequences are going to be. But for the next 24 hours, you're grounded. Your, your, your parent and I, your other parent, your dad and I, your mom and I, uh, we are going to talk and we'll get back to you in 24 hours. And you might come back and be like, okay, time served. Or you might come back and be like, whatever, here's the extra consequences. You don't have to give a consequence right in the moment. You can delay it. But I am a huge fan of starting early with your kids. If you do this, these are the good consequences. If you do this, these are the negative consequences. If you think about it, that is your entire adult life. If you pay your electric bill, the electricity stays on. If you don't, it gets shut off. If you go to work, you get a paycheck. If you don't, you don't. If you follow the speed limit, you don't get a ticket and you get to keep money in your wallet. If you don't follow the speed limit, you will probably get a ticket. Most of life is about choices. And what we want, we typically want to raise kids who just do what we tell them without explaining anything to them because I shouldn't have to explain it. I'm the parent. There's truth to that, but most of the time the way we use it is hogwash. Just straight up hogwash. And so that last step, we let our kids choose. We tell them, here's the options, here's the choices. We're inviting them into adulthood, even as their children. Yes, they're going to make mistakes. Yes, they're going to blow it up. Yes, they're going to do things that they shouldn't. But don't you? Are you really going to look me in the eye and tell me you didn't react emotionally at any time in the last month? You didn't say something you wish you hadn't said? You didn't say anything to your spouse that was wrong? You did, I mean, it's just... We, well, of course we do. There's just nobody over us, air quotes, because you can't see my hands, to punish us. And so it's you have to decide what is the point of my interaction with my children about? Is it about this moment or is it about who they will be when they're 25, 35, 45, 55, etc.? If it's about the latter, then you have to teach them decision-making skills. And one of the best ways to do that is to give them opportunities to make decisions knowing that they're going to make wrong ones sometimes. And then they get the negative consequences, which is why we start with boringly consistent. And through the whole thing, the glue that holds the whole thing together is consistently teach. This is why that matters. And here's what happens when you do that. You punish less. It's less about punishment, more about teaching. So you can actually punish less and still teach. You can, you, like, one of the things that I'm always concerned about is I'll hear, well, they're grounded for a month. What does that actually teach them? For what? Well, they did this, this. Do you do that? Yep. And what do you give up for a month? Nothing, because I'm the parent. So you know what? 
you're teaching them there, the people in authority get to live by different rules. And then you might turn around and complain about how our politicians live by different rules. You know, I'm not sure I'd agree that they're an authority, but that's a whole different day. And so one of the things that you have to ask yourself is, what am I teaching my children? Because there is no option to not teach. You are teaching your children. So teach intentionally. And one of the ways that you can teach intentionally is give them choices. If you do this, these are the consequences. If you do this, these are the consequences. All right. If you have questions about this, please email me. Uh, You can reach me on my webpage, joemartino.com. Click on the Contact Me page. You can email me, info at joemartino.com. Please put uh, podcast in the subject line. Try this out. If what you're doing isn't working, I want to I be really clear on this. If what you feel like what you're doing isn't working, you're going to have to come up with a definition for what working means. And this takes time. You have to engage it. Sometimes you're going to have plans that are going to get put on hold because you're engaged in repeating consequences and teaching. And that is how life goes. There, there's a whole nother part. We're just already at 30 minutes. I could go for an hour easy on this. There's a whole nother aspect of just pulling out your own pain, looking at your own, what's going on inside of you that you're reacting so emotionally. Maybe that's another day. But this will be difficult. I don't have any, I've never heard good parenting advice that works that actually isn't difficult. It's all difficult. I, I, there's nothing I can tell you that's going to make parenting easier. But... Over time, this moves the needle in the right direction. So give it a try. Less severe, more repeatable. Be teaching. Give your kids the choice. Be boringly consistent. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this, please share it on your social media. Uh, That is probably the best form of sharing this information that I have, and I appreciate it. I appreciate that you took the time to let me speak into your life and to join me on this, uh, this day. Thank you so much. I know you could do anything with this time. I know you're busy, and I appreciate you giving me a few minutes of your day. All right, we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. Give us a rating on the iTunes store. And if you have a question for a future show, feel free to send us an email at info at You can also go to joemartino.com and click on the Contact Me page. Until next time, remember change possible.